What's up, gang? It's your boy, the nonprofit sector connector, nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from the top of my house, just above the second floor, below the roof. I'm in the attic. 14 degrees here on Strong Island, as we call it. And it is like, I don't know, man. I was just telling my guest in the green room here, I'm not a big cold like weather guy. I don't like the cold weather. So for 44 years, I've lived in the same on the same island and just kind of complained about it for two or three months. So it's cold, man. But you know what? Like, in all honesty, I have a home. I have a warm coat. I have food to eat. And you know what I'm all about is connecting nonprofits. And plenty of Americans and people around the world don't. And I'm angry about this type of stuff. And I already feel how heated I'm getting. So I got to calm down, Tommy D. This is Philanthropy and Focus. That's the name of the show. Focus is spelled P-H-O-C-U-S. Only one place in the world, I believe, in my attic. Everywhere else, I think they spell it with an F. I've heard, but I like alliteration. So philanthropy starts with a P and an H. And in my world, so does focus. All right. If you heard right before you came on, the, on the, we went live, you heard the, the mantra of our station here. And I wrote it down because I want to point it out. Professionals serving community. And, you know, when I came up with this idea for this show a number of years back before I did anything about it, it was just an idea, right? I didn't know where I was going to do this show or how I was going to do this show. And I land here with my buddy Sam Leibowitz and this incredible family here at talkradio.nyc. And that just hit me again, professionals serving community. And that's certainly going to be a theme that we're going to talk about with my guest, Cliff Baker, today. But I want to tell you a couple of things before we even jump into this conversation. You know, I'm going to say it. Nonprofits change our world each and every day. And it's my job here to help them tell their story and amplify their message. Not because I'm so great at storytelling, just because I'm so curious and interested in helping them tell their story and helping them, as I say, amplify their message. Nothing happens without the connection. If you're the nonprofit sector connector, which is funny, people are doing email introductions. It just happened. Shout out to a friend of mine, Jerry, who made an introduction for me this morning. Uh, and he introduced, introduced me as you need to meet Tommy to the nonprofit sector connector. So it's kind of fun when you do these things and they're real, but I'm so passionate about making connections in the sector. Shout out to my friend, John Rod out of Freehold, New Jersey, because I was at a networking meeting for a group we run called TNG, the networking group. And people say, what's your specific ask, Tommy? What are you looking to do? And I'm always saying, look, I'm looking to meet nonprofit leaders so I can, as I said, help them tell their story and amplify their message. John said, you got to check out this organization down, down by the Jersey Shore. You got to find out what they're doing. Long story short, I make, and I'll tell you this, people say, Tommy D, you couldn't make a long story short, even if you wanted to, which is probably accurate. I tend to make a, a short story longer and a long story even freaking longer. But if you're showing up listening to this, you must be interested in some of the stuff I'm saying. And I just think we need lots of details and stories. So I put them in there. All right, look. John Rod says, Tommy D, you got you to gotta meet this organization. I, I was supposed to go down and do a day of service, hashtag 60 days of service in the summertime, got caught in traffic and had to reschedule. So it was actually, I did day number 11 after day number 29, just in December. And what was really special about getting to meet the organization was to see the work they're doing. And Cliff Baker's here is going to tell us all about that work, but to see the work they're doing, but also to experience it. I had this opportunity um, these two veterans who had formerly been homeless are now in housing. And not only did the organization send me out there with, with the, uh, a Christmas meal and a bunch of other uh, uh, food stocks for these two, uh, two men, but they also, uh, these, these men had just gotten in a new home. So they sent me with 
plates and cutlery and, and china and all these things that you know uh some of the things you might not think about a hamper you know a, a, a basket a clothes basket just the basic needs to really get these guys going and i will tell you I'm a big mush and I get emotional about this stuff and, and I get sensitive about it, but I was very emotional that day to, to connect with these two men. And it was a super opportunity for me. And um, I would encourage you all to try to get out there and do a day of service. Maybe 60 is not right for you, but maybe a day a month, uh, do a day a year, you know, cut out on early on a Friday and go do something for a nonprofit. Trust me, there's plenty of opportunity and plenty of need out there. So today I'm going to now just introduce my friend, Cliff Baker. Cliff, when you're ready, come off mute because I want to talk to you. We're going to get this thing going. So here's the deal. I'm going to read the background, the bio. I'm going to do it real quick because I don't want to tell Cliff's story and he probably doesn't want to tell my story. I want him to tell his story and I'll tell you guys my story. If you want to hear how great I am, text me. I'll tell you all about it. Just kidding. Just, I'm only serious. Everybody relax. All right. <laughs> Cliff proudly served our country as a sonar technician on the Fast Frigate. And I practiced that. The Fast Frigate USS W.S. Sims, and in the United States Navy. Cliff, I say this with appreciation from everybody that's connected to me. Thank you for your service. Thank you for the men and women, the service they provided alongside of you over the years. I appreciate that. We all do. Thank you. Let's Thank just you. let's just say that. Start there. Nothing finer than the 1059. Nothing finer than a 1059. All right. FF 1059, it says. in the. I left the parentheses out. That's Nothing right. finer than a 1059. I would, now I have to Google a picture of a frigate. And mm. I, like, I like to say the word frigate. So that's kind of yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> my wife says to me, Friday, you like sound like like why do you say friggin' on your show? And I and like, why do you call yourself you, the your boy Tommy D? And I go, This is kind of what I do, babe. That's that's the deal. That's how it goes. If you're listening, baby, I love you. Um, but if you're not listening, I leave I love you either way. All right. So after experiencing the world and returning to his area, which is down in Jersey, Cliff quickly developed a niche in many aspects of the food service industry with the Singer Equipment Company. He built strong relationships with the restaurants in the community. And I think that's probably, you know, tie in. yeah, I think there's something there that you get to leverage in, in what you're doing with this organization. So in June of 2010, he created the Baker League, which is a basketball league, um, which it went from a handful of players to now 300 players. So I will tell you, my business partner, a lot of guys who are older than me still go out and play ball. And I play ball in the driveway with my son. And he's only 10, this son, and he's, so I'm still beating him and his boys, but I don't know. I think my, like, there's an arc of talent that's going to happen. And, you know, not that I'm a very talented ball player, but, you know, I win because I'm much bigger than he is right now, but that's going to, that's going to stop. I think. Yeah. That happened to me about six years ago. I, I, I'm going to stop playing once I become an, um, uh, once I can't play up to my caliber anymore, once I can't play my, once I'm starting to hurt the game. Yeah. Guys I'm playing with, it's time for me to step away. So when you become a liability versus a liability, right on. I totally get that, man. I I totally understand that. And I'm I'm the biggest guy in the driveway, so it's pretty good for me right now. <laughs> yeah. And I was able to pick up a new sport, pickleball. I, it's so funny. I'm picking up my oatmeal this morning, right? And it's funny you say pickleball because where I live, there's a racket club, and I hear these two gentlemen talking, and uh, I they work at the racket club, and I wanted to engage in conversation because. As I tell my kids, a stranger is a friend I haven't met yet, but I did not engage in the conversation with these guys. And now, you know, they're probably listening to the show because this is a big, this show's a big deal here on Long Island. So everybody's, probably, yes. so, everybody's cold. Everybody's inside. I don't know. Do? Everybody's inside. Nothing else to do to listen to philanthropy and folk. Right. Right? That's all there is to do. Well, I, I, so I didn't ask them, but 
they play. I know they play pickleball in this in this place over here. But what, tell me, we're just going to totally stop the bio. We're going to go right into conversation here. You're going to tell me all about pickleball, and then maybe we'll talk about a need be feet at some point. But what what are we doing there? What kind of racket? So I, I describe pickleball as a combination of pickleball, um, ping pong, and tennis. Okay, it's played on a smaller version of a tennis court, and it's played with like a hard plastic, almost like a wiffle ball. Uh, is it like hot? Is there holes in it like a wiffle yes. ball? Okay. Yes, there's holes in it like a wiffle ball, but not just on one side. The entire ball has holes on it. Okay. Um, and you have a paddle, like a, you know, bigger than a ping pong paddle. Um, and it's, um, what I like about this, the sport is very strategic. Okay. You're always, you're always thinking, um, you're always thinking two or three shots ahead. Really? Yeah, you're setting up your opponent to move to one direction. Okay, so you're going to send him over here to the left because I'm going to drop it right on that right side at some point, right? Exactly. Now, I don't want to give away all my secrets. No, no, no. no. Shush. Nobody, again, nobody's listening. Don't <laughs> yeah, just between you and I. What I like to do is set him up to the left and then bang him right down the oh. middle. Hey, listen, whenever you want to play pickleball, you and me for money because I know your secrets already, kid. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. I want to play that. And and the place I'm talking about is right around the block from my house. And I know this game is, like, taking off. Like, people are really oh. Yeah. So addictive. So addictive. And what was nice is that, you know, I couldn't play basketball anymore. My knees went bad. But playing the pickleball is not as bad on my knees. It's not as hard. Okay. I go out there and play for two hours and it's like no pain at all. How's the, you're a competitor. I I get the impression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Love. But it's friendly competition. Yep. I love to play a good game of whatever I'm playing. You could beat me as long as it was a good game. No doubt. No doubt. Do you guys against each other? You know, we try to figure each other out, make all these changes in the middle of the game. I love thinking. I, I dig that, man. Strategy. Uh, yeah. Like, what about board games? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll play chess. I'll play uh, checkers. Okay. Um, you know, we've got this old family game called Upwards. Upwards. That's like a grandmother and I play. Scrabble, where then you're able to stack the letters. Stack it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My nana used to play that game. Oh, man. <laughs> My grandmother used to play with me, and I used to get mad at my grandmother for letting me win. Anna was a killer. She was a killer. Like, she would be, like, we play, like, uh, 500 rummy and, uh, and you know, like, regular rummy, like, gin rummy. And she would get so, like, pissed off. Like, if you beat her, she'd go, oh, you, you, you ruined me. Thomas, you ruined me. And, like, I, I mean, I, I, like, literally, Nana's gone so long now, but I, like, literally feel it, like, and Scrabble was her game, too. But the, the, the rummy, and she would get, oh, she would get so pissed. But, so of course, yeah, but that's good. That stuff is all, look at this. We're about to go to a break, and we're just talking about pickleball and, and board games. <laughs> <laughs> just get this is how this show goes. But, so, it, it, that stuff, though, that strategy that keeps us, keeps us going up here you know it keep it keeps the whole thing going so right, right. so let's just let's set something up because we're going to come back in in a few minutes to really dive into the organization but you, you served in the navy for for um how, how many years a total of six years three years active and three years active reserves what drew you to do that was that something <laughs> <laughs> you know you're in high school getting ready to graduate you don't know what you're going to do you got five buddies um, and all of a sudden, one of our guys went and signed up for the Navy, comes back to class the next day, says, hey, you'll never believe what I did. Like, I signed up for the Navy. We're like, what? And they said, let's all go. So the four of us said, yeah, let's go. So the four of us go with our friends. So the five of us go back to the recruiter, say, hey, we're all friends from high school. We want to go into service together. You know, what can we do? The Navy recruiter signs all five of us up. 
This was like a big deal. Like, you know, like for a sales guy, he was like the champion. Oh, the guy the home run. This is the greatest deal. He sells us on everything. You guys will be together through boot camp. You'll get stationed together. You'll be on the ship together. You guys will have a blast. We all get our orders and the five of us, boom. California, two go to Great Lakes, two go to Florida. We don't see each other again. Wow. Yeah. What the heck? You know, hey, look, I I don't even know the man. I don't want to say anything negative about him, but sounds like a pretty good sales guy to me. He got us. He got (laughs) us. We were young. We were 17, 18, gullible, believed everything. Yeah, but that's pretty awesome, man. That's that's great. All right, so now I know why you did it. I want to hear about some of that experience if you want to. Oh, I got to tell you about boot camp. I got to tell you about a lot to do. All right. traveling overseas. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to a quick commercial break. This is Tommy D in the Attic Philanthropy and Focus. Cliff Baker, co-founder and president of A Need We Feed, is here with me. We're going to talk Navy. We're going to talk serving veterans. We're going to talk some really exciting initiatives this organization has. We'll be right back. 90 seconds. Philanthropy and Focus. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. I still get a chuckle every time I hear that last line, especially Cliff, right? When my first, when my guest first hears the attic part, I think it's funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it goes from like, whoop, the smile, like the Grinch comes up, man. <laughs> Pretty good, right? I love that. It, it reminds me of, uh, what's that movie? Men in Black, where the one guy's up in his attic. Yes. This, I, I, I've been up in this attic now for, with this whole world the way it is for, for two years, um, it, it, which is weird to say. You know, not, yeah. not, not to be silly and, and tongue-in-cheek, but this was a thing they told us was going to last two weeks, and then Easter, <laughs> and then, you know, all that kind of stuff. And now, I don't know if I, I'll make a, a, a shout-out to uh, a guilty pleasure of mine was always watching South Park. 
Now, this I don't know if you're into that show or not, but is, are you? A little bit. I, it just I find it candy though how they always are like up on on current subjects or forecasting what's going to happen. Pretty wild. It's pretty wild, man. I think they might have a crystal ball. You might be right. Yeah. <laughs> they, so the one they have this new movie, and I didn't watch the whole thing, whatever, because the kids kept coming in. And I can't have my kids watching that show. But um, it's forty years in the future, and we're just still we're still in COVID. Like, <laughs> so, so i really hope what you just said about them being able to predict the future is not right it's wrong, it's wrong let's, on that let's one. hope for the first time they're wrong Oof. so all right look it's it's just after 10 a.m on the east coast here in the u.s but apparently my buddy kyle our producer on the other side here is letting me know that some folks in the uk are checking in and listening to the show so right. hello it's about 317 318 on the other side so hello everybody over there actually 317 in the morning no no in the in the afternoon it's like they're, oh, yeah, yeah, they're ahead of us. I had to Google it while we were on commercial break. But I will tell you, um, many, many years ago, I was, uh, this is my, this is something that is probably super important to, to the United Kingdom. So I'll let them know. My wife and I got engaged in 2005 in London. I was working for ADP many, many years ago at payroll sales and uh, had gone to the President's Club in, in London. And, uh, and I, I went there. Cliff, I'll tell you this story. I actually used to wear like a silver chain back when like that was a cool thing to do. Uh-huh. So I had the silver chain and I had the engagement ring on the chain going like, and that's how I flew like that. And, you know, not to make a big deal, but it cost me a couple bucks to buy that ring. So it was like anxious. I was a little anxious on the way over there, but um, I wanted to get the ring on her finger as soon as possible. So it wasn't my yeah. responsibility. Yeah, get it off your neck. Literally get it off your neck. Literally, that's pretty good. I like this. We could do a show together. Oh, we're doing one. All right. <laughs> so, all right. So let's, let's go. You're, you're you, the Navy. Let's talk Navy. Let's, let's then take that into this organization and, 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 and the need for a need we feed. What happened? Okay. Yeah. So if you want to talk some more Navy, yes. Here we are. We get scattered. Five of us shoot across the country. I get sent out to uh, San Diego for my boot camp. And, uh, you know, you see the movies, you hear the stories, uh, you know, see the, the trash cans getting thrown around. You hear people screaming and hollering. I'll tell you, it's all true. It's all true. We get out to California. I think it's like the middle of the night. We get off the plane. And, you know, again, we're 17, 18 years old. We don't have any sense about us at all. We're getting off the plane. And all of a sudden, these guys in uniforms are screaming at us, screaming at us. Get on the squares, line up, get in a straight line. Uh, You talk about just fear right off the bat. Get us to the uh, San Diego training. And I think I went to sleep at maybe 3 in the morning. And literally 4.30-ish, a trash can, a metal trash can, comes flying into our barracks. Wow. And the joke is, you know, most of us don't even know how to shave yet. <laughs> your kids, your babies. Babies. The first thing they're trying to teach us is to shave, but just not a basic shave. The first rule was up, down, side, and side. That's a lot of shaving on a face that's never been cut. And it's a soft little baby face. Yeah. Right, yeah. You must come out gushing with blood. Oh, my God. You got tissues on. So we get shaving done, we get dressed, we get lined up. My first meal experience in boot camp. There's a, you know, there's the, each company has about 70 people in, in, our, in our barracks. So we line up, we march to the, to the galley, we're getting ready to have our breakfast, we go down the, like a cafeteria line, we get our tray, they scoop the food on, we get to a, um, like a picnic type, uh, picnic table style bench. 
but it extends like 30 feet. So you sit down, get ready to eat. The next person in your company comes sits next to you. So you move down. Next person comes, you move down. So I keep sliding down till I get to the end of the bench and I'm getting ready to eat. The company commander takes my tray away. I say, wait, I didn't even eat. You had your chance. We're oh, no. sliding down. You're like, oh, supposed God. to be eating. Supposed to be eating and moving. Eating as I moved down. And you didn't know that. I had no idea. My <laughs> first experience, my first meal in the military. Went. I said, like, "Come on, wow!" So I mean, right away they are teaching you to, to react, react, adapt, overcome. That's the motto. I mean, react, adapt, overcome. Adapt. They're teaching us. Wow. And now, like you're, you're young guys, right? You're coming out of school, you know, depending on how disciplined you were, like growing up, not, not just you. I mean, anybody, you know, anymore. like I, I, I went to uh, private high school, you know, but so had some level of discipline, but not to what you're talking about. I mean, you're still a knucklehead kid. At knucklehead. School, right? You know, like that's wow. Now, you know, all I did was laugh. All I did was joke. You know, I'm a tall guy. I'm like six three, six. Yeah. The company commander maybe was five foot eight. Five foot eight. So does he have to look up and holler yes, at you? Yes, he's looking <laughs> up at me, screaming and hollering. And all I do is laugh. I think were you out, but like outwardly laugh? Like Yeah, I would put a smile on my face and that would get him even more mad. Of course it would. Laughing. Why are you laughing? Drop. His famous words to me were drop. I did thousands and thousands of push-ups you'll never I, mean, I think for two months i was in the push-up position well, you you know what though i to laugh and he wanted you to drop it so he, he didn't have to look up at you anymore yeah, probably yeah. part of the thing but 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 like were you in good shape when you i mean you had to be shredded yeah. afterwards but when you got there when you in, like were you an athlete i i went into boot camp at 175 okay. i came out at 195 you just kind of just, ripped i mean push. so you know part of the training was the push-ups but a role they put me in was to um supervise and inspect the rest of the company before the company commander came in so my job was i would get up first i would make my rack make my locker take my shower shave get dressed i mean gig line belt everything i'd be squared away then i would make sure everyone else was up ready dressed inspection then our company commander would come in and inspect us if anything went wrong it was it's on it's on baker it's on baker is that so but if it's good you get a little accolade or just nothing (laughs) trouble i was trouble i mean one time you know we're getting you know this stuff is happening so early in the morning it's still dark out we're in barracks that are two stories so i'm on the bottom level checking everyone out the company commander sneaks in through the back up to the top level. Don't even see him. Don't even know he's there. Also, and I just hear, I mean, we're talking five in the morning. Baker! And it just echoes throughout the whole, it's a just big empty barrack, big metal empty barrack. I hear my name. Next word I hear is drop. I'm like, wow. So here I am doing push-ups. I don't even know where he is. I don't even know what's going on yet. And then all of a sudden, the guy comes down in my ear. Says, "Do you know why you're doing push-ups?" I said, "No, sir. Someone was still sleeping up in their rack." So you, you, you're supposed to be checking. Everybody was up. You're supposed yeah. to be. Oh my god. Yeah. But I, I, I mean, like, you can laugh about it now, but in it, that's kind of that's tough stuff, man. Oh. Right. 
But coming well, out was, of it, you must be like, you, you must, like, even in, how long is basic training? Is that a couple months? Two months. Two months. Like, you're a different person coming out of that, right? Not just physically, but like. Mentally. Yeah, right? Mentally. The biggest challenge about being in the service is mental. Yeah. They train you every day to try to break you. So because they're set to, to, to correct me if I'm wrong, but to set you up for the stuff, I was going to say a bad word, but the stuff that you're going right. to see and deal with, you right. need to be like a machine, right? Right. So that day, the company commander found him sleeping in his rack. We go throughout the whole day of our, our regular routine, our regular training. Around five o'clock, everyone was allowed a break, you know, and then the, the day would end, you know, around eight o'clock. So eight o'clock, whoever got in trouble, got what was called mashed, extra mashing. So that night, eight o'clock in San Diego in August, I had to put my wool hat on, my wool sweater, my dungaree jeans, and go out in the parking lot where the Navy SEALs would mash us. What does mash mean? Just extra punishment. Like push-ups, extra frogs, legless, everything to train us not to make that mistake again. And I'll never forget, I can hear the guy whispering, the Navy SEAL, you don't see him. You don't know where they are. They're just slithering around. I'm doing leg lifts. The guy comes in my ear, Baker, I'm going to break you. Baker, you know, being 18, yeah. you're not doing anything. I got this. Uh, of course, because now you're, you're, you're a tough guy, right? Yeah. I'm like, bring it, bring whatever you want. I got this. You're not breaking me. Oh, my God. I'm going to break you, Baker. So, but their challenge was to break us. To, to train us to be able to react and adapt and overcome anything. And, and I, I mean, they got a system. It works. I mean, in, looking back at it, change your life, right? Like, right. I, and, you know, again, I, I keep talking react. So during some of our training, we would go into a gas chamber. We would go into a gas chamber with a gas mask. They would make us take off our gas mask. Now, you know, we're smart kids. Oh, we're just going to hold our breath. Right. They would keep us in there long enough. That, that doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. And whew, you know, we take in this big, you know, gasp of air and we take in the, 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 the gas and then, you know, we're tearing up, we're choking, but it's part of being, you know, part of our survival. Yeah. The training was they would put us in a situation where we had a float and float for, you know, a good 45 minutes to an hour. So we were taught, take our dungarees off make them into a buoy. We would take our, our dungarees off. We would tie knots in each leg. We would take our waist and scoop it on top of the water, grab it tight and then tuck it under our waist. And it created a flotation device. Yeah. But again, to train us, if we're on a ship, our ship gets hit, if we get stranded, if we're out in the sea. We've got to find a way to survive. It's all about survival. That's incredible. You know, I, I, I did not serve in the military. Um, and I find, though, <clears throat> there's something about other countries who require some level of service, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not on I didn't serve, so I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to get on a soapbox about it. But I find that as and, and I learned a long a number of years ago, which I didn't realize, the far majority of people who serve are not necessarily necessarily serving in a combat situation. I think the numbers are very I think if I, if my numbers might be off, so excuse me, but. 90% or more of people don't serve in, in a combat, like on a front line. There, right. there are so many different things that people are involved with. Um, but I just wonder if, if that, what that would do in this country, if everybody had to do some level of service. When I talk 60 days of service, not to mock what I'm doing, 
but I, you know, I'm doing things that are great, but I'm not serving in the not to, not to jump forward our story. Yeah. I do remember being in Israel and going on a corner and seeing a military man strapped with bullets and holding a machine gun on the corner of a, of a town. Yeah. We start a conversation. He goes, you have no idea how lucky you are to be in America where you don't have to patrol the streets like this and you don't have to serve service. He goes, we have to, we have to. minimum two years after high school, they have to. But the lesson I learned from serving and being over there is when you come back home, you have much more respect, much more appreciation and much more love for this country. But you don't realize how good we, I don't care how bad you think it is. Mm. How bad everything is, this is still so much better than anything overseas. Wow. What I got to see, it's just, we would pull into ports, and as we're pulling down the lane, we would see homes, literally homes made of cardboard boxes, wood. I mean, no ceilings, no insulation, nothing. But the people that would come out, nicest people ever. So appreciative. I'm with you, man. I appreciate your, your candor and all this. We're going to take a quick break, but I, I appreciate where you're going with this. It's, it, it brings up a lot for me about there are parts of this country and specifically with the need we feed, we'll jump into that where people and, and especially our veterans, not that, you know, no one should be eating out of a trash can gang. No one should be homeless. This isn't right. The scarcity thing is we'll be back. And we'll talk more about it. But the, the thing is, something needs to be done. Well, here's, here's something to think about. Yeah. Overseas, right? A lot of countries we go to, we're not welcomed overseas. They don't want us there. They don't like us there. We leave there and we come home. And even when I came home in the 80s, we weren't welcomed home. Even in the even in the eighties and nineties, like that. Not, we're not talking about like after Vietnam. Vietnam. No. Wait, I'm talking 87, 88, 89. We weren't always welcomed. It wasn't a big, warm, friendly feeling like we have today for a veteran. So yeah, and I, I feel like you know, with we do have to go to a break in a second here. But I feel like with you know, after Desert Storm, you know, or during that whole time with the yellow ribbons, I feel like, and again, I'm not, I, I know my part of the world. I know my own perspective. I don't know the whole thing. Right. But I feel like the, the troops were, were looked That's for when it switched. It, it did. Right. All right. All right. We're, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, Cliff Baker and I are here on philanthropy and focus. We're going to talk a need we feed. We're going to talk impact. We're going to talk about the future of the organization when we come right back, Kyle, take us to break. We'll be right back. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? 
Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. That's what I'd like you to do every Friday morning around 10 a.m. Eastern time or uh, three o'clock in the afternoon in the UK. Come through the static. Join me in the attic. I'm Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector. I like to do that voice like that. It's kind of fun for me. <laughs> really all right, so, voice. Yeah, man. Uh, all right. So let's, let's do this. A need we feed started in on October 29th, 2012. So we go back, talk about tragedy and challenging experiences in our lives you know being here on long island certainly remember when hurricane sandy superstorm sandy came through how did this organization start obviously you have this service mentality we talked about that how does this organization come to be Uh, so hurricane sandy hits um it did a number on us here in ocean county i mean it destroyed um our town our community our homes um and a lot of uh, the restaurant businesses I dealt with that are along the shore. Um, so I put us in like in a little fog for a couple of weeks, like kind of like, wow, what, you know, what, what just happened? Um, probably three weeks after the storm, we started to get back on our feet, started to try to go back to business as normal. I walk into one of the restaurants that I service forever called Boston's. It's a, a local bar and grill, um, you know, family owned, a family I've known forever. So we're in there doing, you know, our normal business and talk on a Monday morning. And I noticed two young military kids walk in. I said, you can tell they're out of place. They don't know where to go. Um, they don't even, you know, they don't know anything. Right. Young kids like I was 30 years ago. Yeah. So, so they come in, they, they, they walk in, they don't know where to sit. I go up and introduce myself. Hey, come on in guys. It's, it's you know, the place is open. Come sit at the bar, talk what's going on. What are you guys doing here? Oh, we're helping you guys restore the shore. Wow. That's awesome. That's great. Um, you know, what else is going on? We have a little small chat, you know, talk about what's, what they're doing. I said, you know what? Thanksgiving's about three weeks away. What do you guys got going on? Well, we have no plans. We're from Kentucky. So we're, we're you know, we have no family, no friends. up there. And that's where it hit me. That, that react mentality. I go back 30 years of my own life thinking when I was in the Navy, I was overseas in France. Me and two friends were walking the street, lost, out of place, walked through this local town. That, you know, we're in the 80s, so there's no Yelp. There's no DPS. There's nothing. There's no assistance. Didn't even have a cell phone. 
not even a cell phone. <laughs> so we're lot, we, we find our way into some neighborhood. We're trying to find a restaurant. We're trying to find some place to eat. A couple walks out of their house. They see us in uniform, asks us what we're doing. We're telling them we're lost. They invite us into their house. This random couple in Cannes, France, invites me and my two friends into their house, make us steak and eggs. I'll never forget it. I can still see that plate right there. A piece of steak and eggs. I've never had that. 18 years old. What's your experience? Nothing. I said, what? How nice was that? What a nice gesture. So here we are, back to Hurricane Sandy. I'm at Boston's with these two military kids. They said they had nowhere to go for Thanksgiving. It hits me. Now you do. You're coming to my house. I'm inviting you to my home. I'm going to have a Thanksgiving dinner for all our first responders, military and police that are here helping us restore the shore. I said, do me a favor. Go tell everyone who's over there. Want them to come to my house. I said, Cliff, that's 350 of them. I was going to say, you must have a big house, Cliff Baker. <laughs> I was like, wow. Wow. You know, so typical fashion. So I react. I commit. I said, okay, guys, you know, just give me a little time. So I take down their information, I leave, I get in my car, I start to think, I said, what am I going to do? What have I just done? I said, there's one person I know I could call, my good friend, Chef Mike from Atlantic Bar and Grill. Mike was in transition. His restaurant was damaged during Hurricane Sandy. He was out of work for the time. I said, this is perfect. I said, Mike, I just committed to feed 350 people, man. What are we going to do? In typical Mike fashion, we got this. Oh, I love it. Oh, Mike calls all his restaurant connections, all his restaurant friends. I call all my supply friends. I mean, we had chafing dishes donated, heating boxes donated, tables and chairs donated to us, a tent. Mike got scrambled up like 50 turkeys. One of my restaurants made 400 pounds of mashed potatoes. Another one made 350 pounds of vegetables. We had it all brought in my house. Now I'm talking. Dude, this was at your house. You really yeah. did. <laughs> Stay in a little home, one little kitchen, you know, a little four burner range, yeah. kitchen appliances, no appliances for chefs. The house was packed. I mean, we're destroying the house. 50 people in the house just making a mess. But we were loving it. Yeah. What we were doing, Mike came up with a plan. He goes, All right, listen, Cliff, we're going to do three seatings of 100. We'll have the first 100 come to the house. We set up a big buffet in the garage. We'll have them come in. We have all the volunteers. We'll serve the food. They'll go around back have their meal, have their dessert, go back over, over to the shore, and the next hundred will come, and we'll do a little rotation like that. Get all our volunteers together, go to explain the game plan. We get the call back from the, from the first responder. They were not allowed to cross the Seaside Bridge because of they implemented martial law because yep. of the looting and rioting that was going on. They just thought it wasn't safe and blockaded the bridge. So no one was allowed to come over. So now we're, what are we going to do? By chance, one of our volunteers worked for the Tom River Fire Department. Puts up his hand. He goes, guys, I can get us a fire truck. <laughs> is allowed to cross the bridge because it's considered a first respond vehicle. So like, you got to be kidding me. I said, all right, go get the truck. Goes downtown Tom's River, gets a fire truck. And I live on a street with a cul-de-sac. All of a sudden, I see a big red and white truck coming down the street. And as it's getting closer, I'm like, this is just not a fire truck. He brought the hook and ladder fire truck. This thing takes up our entire cul-de-sac. 
I think it took about 18 K turns to turn this thing around. But we said, all right, all the volunteers get on the line. One of my manufacturers donated to go containers. I said, package a meal into the go container, put 350 meals on our driveway, took the bags, put them onto the fire truck. The fire truck was allowed to cross the seaside bridge, go in and find all the pockets of first responders. And we delivered a hot meal on Thanksgiving. That's friggin' incredible, man. Oh my God. It, it was so awesome. Do you have, you have pictures of this? Yes. No, I got pictures of the fire truck. I got pictures of the volunteers. Actually, I have the website pulled up and I see the fire truck. I don't know if that's actually the, yes. there's, a, there's a picture of a fire truck. Gang, if you want to check out, aneedwefeed.org, A-N-E-E-D, W-E-F-E-E-D, just like it sounds, .org. But there's, yeah, the Tom's River Fire Rescue. Yep, 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 yep. Oh, my yep. God. I didn't even, yep. as I'm asking you the question, it's, it's like out of the corner of my yep. eye. So that fire truck was able to go to the bridge, found the pockets. We found the three or four different pockets of first responders, delivered them a hot meal. They were thrilled because they were getting food donations, but cold food. And they had no power over there, so they had no way of warming up a meal. We were the first ones to deliver a hot meal. No kidding. You know, and, and in the pandemic, that's become like a thing. We know it, right? You know, two years in, you know, a uh, lot of organizations have been doing that, delivering food to meals, first responders, especially, you know, nurses and doctors and folks in the hospital systems. Um, but then, I mean, you were kind of onto something new. I mean, that was, that, that's, it's, that's 10 years ago, right? Yeah, 10 years ago. So, so we finished our Thanksgiving feeding. Mike and I meet at a, a local restaurant called Aqua Blues right by the Seaside Bridge. And we start doing like a recap of what happened. Like, Mike, I, I can't believe we pulled this off. I can't believe we did it again. So happened to be from the Manilokan brick area. He said, hey, guys, I heard what you just did for Thanksgiving. We have a bunch of first responders in our area. We think you could do this again. I said, well, it's coming up. I said, but I can't do this out of my house again. <laughs> There's no way. The owner of Aqua Blue overheard the story. Kathy reaches into her pocket, takes out her keys to the restaurant, puts them in my hand. Says, Cliff, use my other restaurant, Cafe Italia. It's yours. Use it for Christmas to make your prep, prep your meals, package your meals, and make your deliveries from our restaurant. So, Kathy, that's amazing. Just like that. And that's the thing about restaurant people. I mean, they will give you everything. Everything. I mean... The shirts off their back. I mean, they are the hardest working people, most committed people, most loyal people, and and just they they want to help. So for Kathy just to give up her restaurant, give us the keys, let us go into her restaurant, the trust, the faith, um, and just the goodwill was amazing. So that Christmas we delivered six hundred and fifty meals, and that's how we started. If there was a need, we would feed at Weebly.com. That was our thing. If there is a need, then we will feed. If there is a need, we will feed. And we got our free website, .weebly.com. .weebly.com. All right. So two, two things. We got to take a quick break again. We're going to come back. We're going to do the lightning round because this is a great story. I go just now just to give a shout out to what I call my sergeant at arms of, of philanthropy and focus. Mick Collins, my buddy, okay, is on Facebook. And I go to cut and paste just now and put a need we feed website on Facebook for everybody. Mick's already done it. So thank you, Mick Collins. And he said thank you earlier in the show. He said thank you for your service, Cliff. He's got a he, – you definitely need to meet him. He's in that uh, 
uh, Delaware, Maryland area, Gaithersburg, yes. I think, where he spent some time um, and does a lot of work for nonprofit organizations on the merchant processing side. Um, and they give back every swipe benefits charity. So they have a whole foundation. We'll talk. Folks from his organization are coming on the show in a couple of weeks. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about, you know, we talked about new initiatives in 2012. Talked a little bit about Fort Dix. Maybe I know it's a new thing, but maybe we could talk about that. I want to talk about me, um, Meals on Wheels, what that looked like during COVID. And really in that relationship with the state of New Jersey, if we can talk and go into that. And then what does this organization need and where are we going? How's that sound, Cliff? Sounds good. Very good. We'll be back in 90 seconds. This is Philanthropy and Focus, big time radio voice. We'll be right back. Join us every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern for the Mind Behind Leadership, where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others. We have practical discussions with the CEOs of some of the world's largest companies, owners of small businesses, and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track, what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership, here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Join me in the attic every Friday, 10 a.m. We're back. This is Philanthropy and Focus. Cliff Baker, co-founder, president of A Need We Feed, is here. Cliff, this is what I like to call the lightning round. This is the time when we really got to dive in quick and let's hit them with the with the big stuff. So I, programming-wise, I had the experience, as I said, last month in December to go down and see what you guys are doing. I only got a little taste of it. Ah, food, huh? So <laughs> I did that. <laughs> boom, boom. All right. Nice. So what are the programs? What happens? What does this look like on a weekly basis for this organization? So once COVID hit, um, we had a, um, a new initiative start where my industry, the restaurants, got shut down. The pandemic shut us down. Um, my livelihood was lost. Um, my relationships I've had with these people were 28 to 30 years. I've known them and been working with them. And just like that, they're about to lose their business. So we said, we have to do something. So we switched gears and started raising money. And the money we raised was used to purchase meals from these restaurants to help them survive until the pandemic passed and they could get back on their feet. It was supposed to be just like a little Band-Aid, a little lifeline, something to, 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 to keep the doors open, to keep their, their employees there. Um, 
and it just took off. I mean, it just, we went from a $32,000 a year budget to raising $400,000 on our own. So 2020, we purchased 27,000 meals from this money we raised. And we have multiple restaurants that like would say, you guys helped us keep the lights on. Like we would have closed our doors if it wasn't for you guys. And what also happened during the pandemic was situations where Meals on Wheels stopped making their deliveries uh, due to the fear of COVID. Um, We came up with a a safe way of delivering meals where we would deliver to now these homebound seniors who weren't getting meals, where we would leave them on their front porch, ring the doorbell and walk away. And the seniors would just open the door. The veterans would just open their doors grab their meals and go back in. So it was no contact. We made sure we had gloves on, masks. So we kept it safe, but we found a way to safely deliver these meals. And the program just grew and grew and grew where we were doing, you know, an average of 200 meals a week to over 800 meals a week. 2020 ends and 2021 begins and New Jersey puts out this grant. New Jersey um, serve and sustain, or sustain and serve New Jersey, where to qualify for the grant, the nonprofit organization had to purchase 25,000 meals through 2020. Jack. Yeah. And buy meals from restaurants who stayed open during COVID and had 50 employees. Wow. It's like, it's like you, it's like they told you to, you know, the, the answers to the test. It's like, it's like we always, I had a friend, Louie, we used to work in the bar business together. We always wanted to get tomorrow's paper today. We used to right, you know, right. a little bit of sports gambling, whatever, but you know, we'd like to get tomorrow's paper, yeah. but it's like, they gave you the answers to the test. It's exactly what it felt like. It's yeah. like, all right, who gave them inside training to like, you know, give us the, the inside track. Is it wow. this? So we qualify for the grant. We got approved for the grant. We uh, received through 2021, $460,000 plus additional money we raised. So from the start of the pandemic to today, we've raised and spent $1 million. Holy cow. Gang, purchased over 100,000 meals. 100,000, sorry to cut you off there, Cliff. 100,000 meals, million dollars. This is an organization that was at a $32,000 budget. Right. So I don't know if you guys caught what, what, what Cliff just said to me that said to us there uh, a million bucks raised and not that it was raised, but it was raised. And then it was spent, you know, when we did a video outside the warehouse, Farris T's where, you know, where I, I met yes. him a couple weeks ago, we did a quick video and like the whole thing. And, and you were like, that sounds like a win, win, win. I'm like, yeah, it does. Yeah, absolutely. That's exactly what it is. You're, right. you know, the, the organization is sustainable. Yeah, and I met a bunch of your team while I was down there because it was right around the holidays. So I think it was yes. like Christmas. So all, yeah, a lot of your gang was there, which was really cool for me. Uh, um, wow, Cliff, what a freaking impact! Like, yeah. because you're not not only helping the homebound folks, you're not only helping the veterans, you're helping these restaurants. That right. again, I grew up in the restaurant business. You said restaurant people are great. You know, I, as as I mentioned, we, you know, I was a bartender for a long time. Um, it, it's, it's a tough gig, man. And I remember being a kid and saying, you know, it snows a couple of days, you lose two days. That month is in trouble. Forget right, what right. went on in the last year and a half. So, you, right. you know, what really, really super, super work that you're doing, what does the future look like for this organization? Who do you need to meet? What, what, how can, I do know some folks down in Jersey, um, but I've seen some of your stuff. You guys got a lot of connections already, 
but I wonder if there might be things we can help make connections for as well. Um, absolutely. You know, we're always looking to help, you know, more veteran groups. We're, we're trying to, uh, you know, being a veteran myself, um, my own experience, um, we want to help each other. Um, veterans are very proud. They don't look for help or don't want to ask for help. But when they know it's a veteran-based organization, yep. they're more open to work with, with uh, those. But I guess, you know, it's, it's got me kind of choked up because it's kind of disturbing. That's something I just found out through the American Legion that one of our local bases, the Fort Dix area, the active service families are struggling. Um, we're just, like I said, we're just scratching the surface. I'm just starting to hear some details about it. Uh, something with the pandemic caused the spouses of the service members not to be able to leave the base. Um, Hold back, because you told me, you explained this to me before, before we were alive. So what yes. traditionally the spouse would, tell that story quick. Would you. leave the base and get a second job. Right. And income was used to provide their budget for their meals, for their expenses. Now COVID hits, they're not allowed to leave the base. They have lost their job. So now picture me, I'm overseas trying to defend our country, fight for our country. Yeah. Can't even focus because I'm worried about my wife and children at home who can't have dinner. I mean, it's just so disturbing to think that active service members are now having an issue. Um, so, so we're, we're trying to investigate it more. We're trying to find a way we could help. How can we get the meals? How can we coordinate this? So that's our big initiative for 2022. We're looking to take on another thousand meals a week. Wow. Active service families. How many are you at now? What, are you at that 800 still? Is that- We're at 1,511 meals a week. We're spending $15,000 a week. You're spending 15,000 a week? Yes. On on uh, on 1,511 meals a week, you're going to add a thousand meals to that. So you talk about other organizations, and I'm googling one. So I got, I got a, a friend, a, a buddy. We haven't talked in a while, but he's been on the show before. James Corbett from an organization called Project Refit. They're down in in South Jersey. Do you know them? Are you aware of them? No, I haven't. All right. they they do a lot of you know around for veterans around PTSD and support around tra- traumatic brain injury and really support groups and Zoom meetings that they have for these men and women to really connect. He's got this mobile like base that they're bringing around to support gangs to, to support guys and nice. girls and, and it's really special work. I got to get you connected with him. I'm gonna Absolutely. actually I'm gonna put their uh, information too right here on Facebook so you know you guys can all but let's make that happen because I bet he'd be super interested in making an impact there. We are running we've run out of time honestly that's where I can't say we're running out of time because we've already done that so <laughs> that's how the show goes. I can't wait to see you guys again. Um, what events? Don't you have a big event, a big tasting or something? Oh, uh, Casino Night coming up March 25th or um, March 26th. March 26th. I know when we planned you being here in January, we said we were going to talk yeah. about it, but we almost didn't. March 26th. Is it right on the website? Yes. March 26th, Casino Night uh, to support this organization, which I want to hear more. Keep, let's keep in touch on that whole thing with Fort Dix because I want to be able to tell that story even here on the show. Thank you for being here. I got to bring the show to a close right now. I appreciate you. I appreciate everything you do. And I appreciate your friendship. Thank you so much, Cliff. Thank you. Stay with me one sec. We're going to just take it home. All right. Here's what I have to tell you. The New York City Imagine Awards are available. Go to nycimagineawards.com. Check those out. The, the, there's uh, If you're a, 
a, a nonprofit organization, 501c3 charity that does any work in the five boroughs of New York City. You got to apply. I've been on that committee. If you want to ask me about it, send me an email, Tommy D at philanthropyandfocus.com, P-H-O-C-U-S, but you probably know that by now. Tommy D.NYC on Insta, Tommy D.NYC on TikTok. Next week on the show, we're going to be talking alternative to incarceration. My friend Angel Rodriguez built this organization, Avenues for Justice out of the Lower East Side of New York City in the 70s when it was a real tough place to be and really helps young people of color when they get jammed up in the system, this organization comes in to support them. Stay tuned for Steve Fry, Always Friday, Jeremiah Fox after that on the network. Thank you very much for being here. Cliff, thank you for being here, man. I appreciate you. Appreciate your service. Make it a great day, everybody. Have a great weekend. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life hi i'm pat duckworth women's health strategist and host of the hot women rock radio show empowering women leaders at menopause join me every thursday at 10 a.m eastern time 3 p.m uk time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. 
You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 